Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Listeners, if you enjoy this podcast, I promise you will love my new audiobook for Moms Don't Have Time to a Quarantine Anthology. It's not about the quarantine, but a lot of the essays were written during that time about other things that moms don't have time to do or other busy people, things like reading, eating, working out, breathing, having sex, and 60 best-selling and notable authors wrote essays. All those authors have been on this very podcast. So if you like to listen to my conversations, if you want to get to know these authors better, I read the audiobook myself. Check it out on Audible, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. Again, Audible, audiobook. Go listen to it. It's like 60 mini podcasts. I hope you enjoy. Elise Dobro DeMarco, PhD, is the author of Mom Brain, Proven Strategies to Fight the Anxiety, Guilt, and Overwhelming Emotions of Motherhood and Relax into Your New Self. She is a clinical psychologist and writer specializing in cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety and stress with a subspecialty in working with mothers. She is the founder slash director of the New Jersey Center for Anxiety and Stress Management in Summit, New Jersey, and a diplomate of the Academy of Cognitive Therapy. Her writing has been featured in Motherwell, MotherlyParents.com, Pop Sugar Mom, Psychology Today, Scary Mommy, The Washington Post, The Week, and Today Parenting, as well as on her own blog, drcbtmom.com. She is the author of Mom Brain, as I mentioned. Welcome, Elise. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Mom Brain, proven strategies to fight the anxiety, guilt, and overwhelming emotions of motherhood and relax into your new self. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This, I really wish, I'm glad I have this book now. I just wish I had had it when my kids were even younger. Like this is the book I wish 
that it would have been like my manual for how to like get through the day because you talk about all sorts of stuff and there are a million parenting books out there, but this has like every single thing that you could worry about for someone out there like me who is sort of full of anxiety and perfectionism and all this stuff. This is like the book. So I'm so glad you wrote it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my goal was basically because, because I went through the same thing myself and I found that the parenting books weren't really hitting kind of the emotional piece of things, right? Because, you know, becoming a mother entails so much emotional upheaval. And I felt like all the books, all the books were really geared towards the kids, frankly, right? They all became, they were about parenting and how do you get your kid to sleep and how do you get your kid to eat? And so few of them like talked about what was going on with us moms and how difficult it was to, to, you know, transition into this new phase of life. And so that was my goal. You know, my, my hope is that this will be kind of a, a guidepost for moms to deal with everything that's changing for them because so much is changing. It's so true. And it's everything from like the mom body to, you know, even our brain. So this is like, I loved this chart, which people listening cannot hear, but cannot see rather, but you have, which I always think about sort of how we're using our brain, like what percentage is for what? And before where work was like half the pie chart. Now work is just like maybe a 16th of the pie chart. And it's like, did I put sunscreen on Sam today? Crap. Is that pasta sauce on my shirt? If I don't register for soccer now, I'm going to see early bird discount. I need to do laundry when I get home. Why is there a Lego piece in my bag? And it's just like all the things things, like the 8 million things that just go circling around that we have to sort of synthesize and act on every single day. And I just loved seeing it out here. Like, oh, okay. So this is not just my brain. Oh, that's <laughs> me. I mean, that's 100%. I mean, cause I talk a lot about myself and, and it's all true. <laughs> that's my brain now to this day. Like my kids are seven and 10 and my brain still looks like that. It's still filled with way too much stuff all the time. I know. I'm like, finally we got, we were just joking about like the end of the school year and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, I think I did everything I had to do with you guys, except the allergist, but I feel like that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> listen, as far as I'm concerned with COVID, like truly, if you kept your kids alive, like great, <laughs> that was all I think we could expect of ourselves. So if, if all, if all you missed has been the allergist, I'd say you've done a pretty great job. Yeah. We got the dentist. We got the orthodontist, the checkups, yeah. all the other stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can't even like, I can't even deal with it. You have a lot of stuff in here, not just for new moms. And I know you said it's, it's you know, it's, it's more for moms in the trenches sort of five and under, but I really think a lot of this is for any moms. And you have a whole section in here on how we compare ourselves to other people and how social media kind of plays into that. And I know that people often talk about this, like, you know, beware of the myth of the mom, perfect mom on Instagram and all this stuff. But you really like go into it of like, how can we analyze the behind the scenes of the moms who are posting and what does it mean? And let's like break it down. And I know you wrote about this, I think for Parents Magazine too and everything. But as someone who is a mom and who does post a lot, I was also reading this from the other side, which is like, am I in any way like trying to show things like looking easier than they are or anything like that? So tell me your, tell me like the whole, from both perspectives, sort of how social media posting can be like the, the worst part for moms, but also maybe an empowering part. Oh yeah, for sure. And by the way, I follow you on social media and you're great. Oh, <laughs> you're not one, you're not one of those problematic moms. And I should say, by the way, Zibi, to your point before, these strategies work for moms and by the way, parents of kids of all ages. Yes. You know, the reason that I targeted it at zero to five was only because my hope is that if you can learn these things early and start putting these things into practice earlier, 
it'll make it way easier for you as your kids get older. But yes, these strategies, like kids of any ages, like my sister is into it and her kids are like in college and high school. So I think you can, well, of course she's into it. She's my sister, but <laughs> whatever. I, I think it anyway. works for, right. It works for kids of all ages. Yeah. So the social media thing is, is really tricky. And I've always talked to moms historically about comparison making, but during COVID, especially like the social media issue became much more heightened because of course, social media was like all we had where we couldn't compare ourselves to people in real life because we weren't seeing people in real life. So I feel like it, it was like ratcheted up, you know, you know, during COVID and, and became really difficult. So, you know, what I usually say to the moms that I work with, because inevitably like they'll come in at some point in our work together and we'll say, you know, I saw this post on Instagram and this mom seemed perfect or, or, you know, this mom posted about her kid and her kid seemed perfect and my kid can't compare, right? So it's comparing yourself to other moms. It's comparing your kids to other kids too. And they'll come in and they'll be filled with anxiety and guilt and shame and, and all of this kind of stuff. And what I try to do with the moms that I work with and what I write about a lot in the book is is to encourage them to be critical of their comparison making. So what I mean by that is, is to really think about who it is they are comparing themselves to. Because oftentimes the comparisons that you make, particularly on social media, are actually unfair comparisons, right? So I have a lot of examples of this. So there's, first of all, there's the celebrity. I mean, forget about that, right? Like celebrities, you you don't know anything about them. You don't know what it took for them to get the picture or the video, whatever that they posted. You don't know how much money they have and how much help they have. You just don't know enough to make in any way, shape, or form a fair comparison. And what I say about celebrities and also just kind of other people in general is like, if you're comparing yourselves to or yourself to people with whom you don't share values or whose opinions you don't value, it doesn't make sense to make that comparison. So celebrities are one thing, right? Where like my patients will come in and say, oh yeah, so-and-so posted so-and-so. And I'll say, oh, well, what do you think of this celebrity? And they'll be like, oh, I think she's terrible. <laughs> right? so I'm like, well, then why are you, why are you comparing yourself against her? First of all, you have no info about her. And second of all, you don't respect her, right? This is true also of, of, people we we even know in our real lives people we you know are connected to on facebook on instagram i'll have moms come in and say oh my gosh you should see what this woman from my son's school just posted and i feel so jealous and blah 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 and then i'll ask again i'm like you know can you tell me about this woman and inevitably she'll say oh gosh i can't stand her or like my kid can't stand her kid and i'm like okay well if that's true if if you don't like her if you don't value her opinions if you don't share her values why are you using her as a point of comparison? Like I always say, it's like you go to a medical doctor whose training you don't value and who you think is a quack, and then you take their medical advice. Like to me, that's the analogy, and I use that with moms all the time. So, I, so I, again, I, I really encourage moms to be very critical, to ask, do I have even enough information about this person to make a fair comparison? And if I do have information about this person, is this someone whose opinions I value? Is this someone who I think is a good sort of model for parenting? And then that gets to, Zibi, what you said about how you can use this for good, which is, I think, in real life and on social media, I'd say particularly in real life, you can strategically choose who to compare yourself to. And these should be moms whose opinions you value, whose kids you admire. I, I think the best thing you can do is get like a mom or two, whether it's on social media or in real life, whose kids are like a little older than your kids because they've like been through it. And if you, if you really think that they're doing a great job, like they're a great source of inspiration. They're a great source of advice, right? Just to reach out to them and say, 
hey, you know, I've got this question about whatever. So I don't think it's about ending comparison making altogether. I think it's about being critical of the comparing you're doing and choosing the right people and being willing to abandon, you know, the other people. I think, you know, too, with like the rise of like momfluencer culture on Instagram, like there's plenty of momfluencers who are great. And I think you just have to, again, pick the ones and you can even tell from their posts, right? Like, who are the ones who who seem to be you know more in sync with you and then you you continue to follow those and then don't follow the ones that are you know filling you with like you know shame and guilt you know after looking at their posts so true i would also cautious against sort of like taking someone's kid you know at face or like what the kid looks like on social media i mean frankly i feel like sometimes with my kids and maybe because i've had four or something and i just see how they've grown up like I just try to stay out of the way of like messing them up sometimes. Like (laughs) the kids are going to be who they're going to be. They all are born with all these unique personalities and skills and traits and all this stuff. And like, yes, I can mess it up, but I don't know. They're like, they're going to, one of them's really neat. One of them's really messy. And I did the same thing. So, you know, it's not, it's not always the parent anyway. And that kind of goes to all of you, the values that you talk about, which is also great. And I love how you use cognitive behavioral therapy and all these other therapies. I was also, I know we went to Yale together and I was a psychology major at Yale and I'm also a huge fan of cognitive behavioral therapy. And I didn't know as much about some of the other ones, but even how we use our thoughts to help our worries. And it's one thing to know this, but it's another thing to put it into practice. And you give all these specific examples, whether you're worrying about your mom body or your kid's development, or am I a bad mom? Or, you know, I had such a bad mom day or, you know, all these things that we beat ourselves up about. And you outline how to find the values and then the goals from those values and actually put it into practice, even with your relationships, even into your sex life. So tell me a little bit more about that and how other parents out there can use your strategies for making their lives better. Sure. So I draw a lot from acceptance and commitment therapy, which is basically an offshoot of CBT. And one of the sort of major principles of of ACT is this idea that we really can gear our lives towards our values, right? And an important thing is to articulate what our values are and then set goals, like you said, Zibi, consistent with those values. And I use it a lot with moms because I think what happens to a lot of us, myself included, is like we become mothers and then all of a sudden our identity is just mom. Right. And we, particularly in those early days when really all we're doing is being with a baby all day long, it's very easy to lose sight of who we are and what's important to us. And so, as I started doing work with moms years ago, it occurred to me like, wow, you know, the value stuff we do in ACT is actually great for new moms, right? Or, or moms, by the way, of kids of any age, because what it allows you to do is go sort of area by area. And there's a big worksheet I have in the book that does this. So you think through parenting, you think through work, you think through friendships, you think through you know extended family. I have stuff in there and like how you want vacations and holidays to go. So you, you go through different areas and you take a little time to ask yourself, okay, like, what do I value? Like as a parent, who do I want to be? As a worker, like who do I want to be, right? As a, as a partner, as a child of parents, you know, whatever else. So you go through and you think really carefully about what's important to you and what you value. And then once you've done that, you say, okay, how can I start to make decisions that fit with my values? So I'll I'll just bring up uh, of the many things, like one of the things that I use values for a lot with the moms I work with is sort of like, how do you define yourself when you're not a mom and you're not working if, if you work, right? Like, are there things about you that have always defined you that you feel like you've lost? Like maybe you were an athlete, 
maybe like me and Zibby and my mutual friend, Rebecca, you're like a musical theater nerd, you know, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're a world traveler. Like think about how you define yourself and, and what your passions are and note these down and then spend some time really thinking about how you can enact these values in your day-to-day life, right? Because as moms, we don't have a ton of time per, you know, the title of your podcast. We don't have a ton of time for anything. And so we have to be really like strategic and planful about how we fit in things that are important to us. Like if we're an athlete, making sure we're still playing sports in some capacity. If we're a big time reader, making sure we have the time to read. So what the values can do is help us see what's important and then help us to make a plan for every day, right? To say, okay, you know, reading is really important to me. How can I carve out time during this crazy day with kids to make sure that I'm just doing a little bit of fiction reading, right? Or again, exercising is a huge part of who I am. Like, how can I make sure I exercise? And of course, like as a new mom, you really have to plan ahead for these things, right? For reading, for exercising, for anything else. Like maybe you have to organize some childcare. Maybe you have to ask your partner in advance to watch the kid. Maybe you have to be very planful so that the second the kid goes down for a nap, you get on that, you know, that app and do some exercise, whatever it is, it really requires advanced thought and advanced planning. So I think again, and this is just one example of, of thinking through values, right? As I said, like we talk about values in the book, like around everything, relationships and so on. But I think the goal is to, to figure out what's important to you first and then figure out, all right, if I'm going to keep this in my life, how am I going to do this? And let me plan for how to do this. So I, I really, you know, I, I talk about the, that worksheet in chapter three, but I really encourage people to use it throughout the book, like as they're reading about relationships to look at their relationship values and think about that, right? As they're reading about obviously parenting, you look at the parenting values section and so on and so forth. So I'm hoping it kind of like guides, you know, people as they're reading through all the different chapters. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 
a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. So true. I mean, you even cover, you know, toxic, you know, which friends to spend time on and is there a relationship helping with your girlfriends, the boundaries you should put into place with extended family, like how, like all these things. It like, it's basically like all the things that crop up that you're not expecting. And they're all kind of here with how to cope with them. And I wonder sometimes are people open to hearing this stuff until they live it? Like, could you, can you read this and like soak it up and then know what to do? Like, do people function that way? I wish they would. <laughs> you know, I wish me I too. would. I, I hope so. I mean, I've, I've certain, cause people have been asking me like, oh, should I give this to like, you know, moms who are expecting or, you know, and I'm like, yeah, like, please do. I mean, I think you, you have to, like, I feel like if I'd read this when I was like 25, forget about it. Well, no, that's too, no, forget <laughs> Right. It'd be gone. But you know, like moms who, who are imminently going to become parents, my hope is that they'll, they'll read it or they'll read it sort of soon after I structured the book purposely in like very discreet sections. So my hope was, although moms do not have time to read, like they'll be able to dip, you know, dip in and out of it pretty easily, like, and just sort of target the one thing they're going through. So I think you can like read it kind of all in one clip. And maybe if you're like expecting and you still have time, you can, but I think for like the new moms or even more seasoned moms, like you can kind of dip in and out if, it, if you're like, oh, well, anxiety is my issue. Let me dip into the anxiety section for a bit. Or, oh, I'm having conflict with my partner. Let me, you know, let me take a look at this section. So that's, that's my hope. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it is hard to prepare. And I think you're right, Zibi, that there's so many changes in so many areas. And so few of those changes are discussed, which was part of the reason that I wrote this too. Because I felt like I was saying before, I felt like just everything that was available to me when I had my first son 10 years ago was really parenting stuff. And some of the parenting stuff was sort of punitive too. Like I'll never forget reading one of, at the time, this very popular sleep book that like, I'm paraphrasing here, but it basically was, it was a section on like, what happens if you don't time your kid's nap, right? And, and basically boiled down to like, well, you screwed up, try again tomorrow. And I remember reading that and being like, wow, like this, this is, this is harsh. Like, I don't need to hear this. So again, my hope too, with this book was just to sort of let empathy kind of ooze out of it, right. To, to let moms know that like, we recognize how hard this is and how much is going on and how much is changing. And again, I mean, to me that, that was sort of like my hope with the book in general is that moms come away knowing how, how great this is and how hard this is and how in the middle sometimes this is and just kind of allowing themselves to feel all of those things. Talk for like a minute or two about the whole section on perfectionism because I found that to be very helpful. And I, <laughs> it's so funny. Yesterday I was like trying to finish writing this article for Moms Don't Have Time to Write for Father's Day. And I wanted to find like a perfect picture of my dad and me from when I was younger. And I was like, I must have it like saved on Shutterfly or I must have it like in here or there. Or should I go try to find these albums? And I realized like, I was like, I'm spending too much time on this. Like the time and perfectionism are enemies here. Like you have to sacrifice one, right? Yep. So I'd finally, I was like, you know what? It's good enough. Some things just have to be good enough. And I feel like that way with my kids, like with, you know, back to this whole, like, 
four out of five doctor's visits, good enough. (laughs) But it's taken me, you know, my kids, my older kids are 14 now. It's taken a lot of time to relax. And this is not just a parent thing. It's like a person thing. So tell me, tell me how I could have maybe spared myself earlier, what the secret is to not making things. And maybe this doesn't afflict most people, you know, needing everything to be just right, but what can we do? Oh, it afflicts so many people to me. (laughs) That's why I did like a whole chapter on it because I hear about it all the time. And me too. Like I am fully guilty of this for sure. So there's a couple of things that I, I, I'll give you kind of a highlights of, of sort of some of the strategies we use for perfectionism because it's a huge problem. And because, you know, I think too, what happens is that like, you know, the media and again, these momfluencers and whatever sort of like conspire to make us perfectionists because they, our messages are sent to us that, you know, we can have the best X, Y, and Z and we can, you know, do it all. And we, so I, I think as a result of that, like, perfectionism just runs rampant. So a few things kind of as a, as a general summary of the perfectionism stuff. One thing that I, I, t- I tell moms to do, and I try to hammer home in the book is delegate. So here's the thing about delegating, right? When you're a perfectionist, you do not want anyone else doing anything else for your child because you'll do it best, right? You will match their clothes the best. You will plan their parties the best. You will make the best meals. You will make the whatever. That may all be true, right? But what happens when you close out everybody else helping you, there's a term for that, maternal gatekeeping. If you've ever heard that, Zivi, it's like basically you're closing the gate on other people helping you because you think you're the only one who can do it, right? And then what happens? Well, then you're the only one who ever knows how to do anything and then no one ever helps you and then you become resentful and the resentment builds and builds and builds. So I really force moms to delegate. And I say, you know, this is gonna be hard for you. Right. So I'll give an example of somebody that I was I've been working with of of this example of delegating, right? So she had her daughter's birthday party coming up and decided that she was gonna do all this stuff for it, like really over the top, really elaborate. And she was really stressed out, right? She was really stressed out. She was like working on the birthday party while she was trying to work and and do remote school. It was driving her crazy. They said to her, I was like, all right, we have you have got to offload this. Who can you offload this to? And she said, well, you know, I'm sure my mom who's retired would be happy to help. And I'm like, give the party to your mom. Now for her, this felt awful, right? Because the last thing she wanted, she, you know, was her mom. Cause she's like, well, my mom is not going to get on Pinterest and, you know, personalize every party favor and whatever. And I said, no, you know, this is like, this is an exercise, an exposure exercise for you to hand the reins over to someone else and see what happens. Right. So she delegated to her mom, party went fine. Was it done exactly as she would have done it? No right? But it saved her so much heartache. And I think the more you practice delegating, the easier it becomes to manage the kind of icky feeling that you get when things don't go you know, exactly as you'd want them to go. That's a big deal. I feel like yeah. if you had just told her to have the mom do like the invitations, that would be a thing. The whole party, that's like- She a- did. <laughs> she did. Well, let, let, me, let me backtrack and say that like much of it had already been done. So it was basically what had to be done towards the end. So that was like the stuff, like I think she hadn't ordered the food. It was a party favor situation too, I think was what really drove the bus here because the mom was Pinterest deep diving and, you know, we, we tried to put a stop to that. So, so there, a lot of what I talk about is that about challenge yourself to delegate, like challenge yourself to offset some of this stuff to other people. And there's certain stuff you're going to want to do exclusively and that's fine, but don't gatekeep everything, right? Because then you end up 
overwhelmed and, and all of that. So that's one thing. Another thing I actually have people do, and there, there's a, a cognitive behavioral therapy treatment for perfectionism, actually, specifically. So I take a lot I of I feel like you need to be my therapist. Do you have like new clients? <laughs> do you actually like take clients? I feel like I should call you. You should like whip me into shape. <laughs> I... Listen, I, I think we, the truth is like, I think we all, especially with COVID, like cognitive behavior th- therapy for all, like, I think we all, we all need this. So another thing that I, that I have moms do that I, I borrowed from the CBT for perfectionism stuff is actually purposely mess up. And this, I really like doing because it's fun and, and my patients hate it, but they are happy at the end. So when I say purposely mess up, I don't mean like, you know, with anything that's super important, like don't send your kid to school in the winter without a coat or whatever, but like you can do things like, quote unquote, forget to RSVP to a birthday party, right? Or, you know, make a spelling error in a work email, right? Things like that. And I actually task them with practicing this. And, and we, we come up with specific things they're going to do imperfectly to see what happens, right? Because what you need to learn is like, you can do things imperfectly and by and large things turn out okay, right? But I think a lot of moms like, you know, are so afraid of ever doing things, not, you know, a hundred percent that they do everything in their power to make everything go a hundred percent. So I love that. I love like basically screwing up on purpose, practicing that. Another thing that I talk to moms about a lot with the perfectionism stuff is like just reminding them that there's a limit to what they can control, right? So like you may say plan an amazing party for your kid and then it snows that day, right? Or like, actually that's happened to me. I planned a Lego party for my older son. I think maybe when he was turning seven and like the pizza just didn't show up. So think about like, you know, at 15, like hangry seven-year-olds and like no pizza, right? So I, I remind moms all the time to think about all of the aspects of a situation that are outside of their control. So even if they've planned things to the hilt, weather can conspire to screw things up. The kid can conspire to screw things up, right? Because we don't have control over our kids. Again, we could plan an amazing birthday party and then our kid is tantruming the whole party. Like we don't have control over our kids necessarily. And there's so many other like environmental factors that we don't have control over. And so that's something I talk to moms about a lot too regarding perfectionism is just try to recognize. And I even have like a strategy in the book where you think about an event as if it's like a a circular pie and then think about what percentage of that pie you have control over, right? And inevitably moms will come up with like so many other aspects of a situation that they recognize they have no control over. And all you can really do is do, you know, what you can with the parts you can control, knowing that there's so much that you just can't possibly do anything about. So those are some quick ones. I just did a birthday party for my 14-year-old daughter, because we're all kind of obsessed with Nailed It, you know, the show, do you ever watch Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Where, of course, nothing ever goes right. So we decided that we were going to do like four teams of two girls and each like try to make like this impossible cake. <laughs> and it was so much fun. But like, as we were setting up, we were, we were like, it's all going to go wrong. Like, that's the point of this party. Like, nothing's yep. going to go right. And that's what the fun is. And that's like, you know, so I feel like it was almost like a whole like therapy exercise for- I love that. I love that. So no, fun. I think it's great. Anyway, I could show you the ridiculous polar bears that came. <laughs> great. Okay. So thank you for all this stuff. Last question. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? For aspiring authors? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because it sort of depends on like the, the way you come to it. So like for me- I always loved to write, but I was not, you know, I I wasn't, I was a psychology major also. And 
I, for a while, like the only writing that was required of me in graduate school was like academic writing and I hated it. And then I just like stopped writing entirely as a result. And then I was realizing per our values discussion earlier that like I really valued writing and it was something that I missed. And so I started working it in. And I guess, I guess this is my advice, which is, is tailored, I suppose, more to people like me who really want to write kind of as a side hustle, right? That it's not necessarily like they were, you know, English majors and have been in writing classes their whole lives, but rather kind of want to do it as a side hustle or maybe like me or are in some sort of like healthcare space and want to write for the po- you know, popular audiences. I think the best thing you can do is just like start writing and start small. So like what I did was I just kind of started my own blog And then at the same time, I was looking around at some of the other kind of popular mom sites of the day, like Scary Mommy, for example. And I was noticing that a lot of those sites actually offered for anyone to submit stuff, cold submissions, right? You didn't have to have an agent. You didn't have to have a journalism pedigree. Like you could just send stuff to them. So I just started sending stuff in. Now, of course, I had the benefit of it being my my side hustle, right? So like I was, I, I didn't have to, to write to live. I think if that's the case, it's a different trajectory that you have to take. But again, for someone like me, I just started throwing stuff in different sites. And, and, then, and then I started doing kind of videos to accompany my writing. And that was all what led up to me getting a contract to write a book. So I guess my advice would be that if you're, if you're like me and you're writing as a side hustle, like just start writing and you can start with shorter pieces and see if you can write for your own blog and, and just get stuff out there on social media. Um, that's another good thing about social media. I, there's a lot of things I hate about it, some of which we've discussed, but it's a really great way of sharing your writing and connecting with other people who are doing similar writing and similar work. So like getting on social media and putting your stuff out there and, and submitting shorter pieces, for me, that was a really good way, again, to like dip my toes in the water a little bit. Awesome. And the more I did, you know, the, the, more I, the more I was able to do until it led up to the book. So I think that that would be my, my advice. Great. Um, Elise, thank you so much. I really loved your book. I'm totally giving this as a gift. This is like the book for new moms and old moms and anyone who just like has to deal with the stuff in their head of, of being a mom. So anyway, it was great to reconnect after school and thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Zibi. This was great. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.